Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas, and we've got a very special guest with us today, Malachi Gandhi. Malachi is a partner in Delonian Gandhi Timber, Inc., out of Troy, Alabama. Welcome to the program, Malachi. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, this is going to be fun. You know, we're, I was just telling Malachi, we're on a Alabama kick with the uh, podcast these days, meeting all kinds of awesome people from Alabama. So something's going on there, uh, positive. Malachi, what do you think it is? I think it's God. <laughs> all right. So there's the, uh, there's the tee up. And Malachi, we'll get into that. And maybe, maybe we'll get into that right away, depending on uh, what your family was like growing up. But maybe just tell us where you grew up, what your family was like, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in Alabaster, Pelomeria, just south of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, my parents got to Birmingham. My dad at the time was in full-time ministry and uh, took a, a position on staff at a church in Alabaster. And so I'm one of three children. I'm the youngest, and I was the only one born in Alabama. Uh, so my parents moved to Alabama sometime around, I think, 1983, 1984, and, and 87. I was born there. Home life was was good. Uh, mother and father, faithful uh, believers, went through a lot of trials, really worked on their marriage. I can see God sanctifying them in their marriage um, mm-hmm. over the course of my life. Uh, so got to see Jesus lived out in front of me a lot of days. So it was good, good childhood, good upcoming. And not, you know, I'm a PK also. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, I think we sort of take that childhood for granted and then you get out in the real world and you're like, Ooh, not every, not that it's perfect, right? None, none of our parents are perfect, but you know, let's just put it this way. I thought they were a lot more imperfect when I was a kid. <laughs> it turned out to be <laughs> now. Well, so, okay, and then we go off to school. Where do we go? We went to uh, Auburn University is where I finished college at. That's where I uh, met my wife and uh, graduated in forestry, a bachelor's in forestry, graduated from Auburn in 2011. Man. And now uh, now you say you met your wife there. Did you get married right out of school? I did. So graduated in May of 11. Uh, my wife is a couple years younger than me. Uh, took a job at the time in West Alabama. And uh, my wife called me and said, hey, the long distance thing is not going to work. And I was kind of like, well, I kind of saw this coming. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I was like, well, is it not going to work? She said, no, I think we need to get married. So we got married that December. And she actually transferred uh, during Christmas break from Auburn uh, to Alabama. So started mechanical engineering school at Auburn and finished on the other side of the state at Tuscaloosa. So Wow. Yeah, not many people are willing to do that. I mean, that that's true love. To it move from it is, <laughs> it is. <laughs> true love. Okay, so now, now, how did you start your career? Would you start? I mean, you studied forestry and you're in the timber business, so you you haven't strayed too far. It sounds like. No, I haven't. So couldn't get a job when I got out of school. Uh, lived at Lake Martin, which is a, a community right outside of Auburn, thirty minute commute. My senior year, just putting companies on a list every day, making phone calls at eleven. It was a tough time to get a job and. Just cold calling, cold calling, and, and by God's grace, uh, a man told me that uh, he'd like to meet me, and then uh, I rode over there and met him the week after I graduated college, 
Uh, he said that uh, he was going to give me a free place to live. He was, uh, don't go buy anything. Don't go rent anything. He was going to give me a shot. But if he didn't like the way I parted my hair in 30 days, he was going to fire me and he didn't want to feel bad about it. So he ended up being like a father figure in the business world to me, uh, taught me, uh, as he would say, everything he knows, not everything yeah. I know, but uh, everything I know, excuse me, not everything he knows. But yeah. that company was in West Alabama and I worked there. Uh, from 2011 till the fall of 2014, uh, where then I moved back to East Alabama and where we started Deloney and Gandy Timber Inc. Now, okay, so what was what kind of company was it? it so I'm not in the timber business. Probably most of our uh, listeners have no clue other than it's a tree and you build things with wood. Uh, so educate us a little bit. What was, what was that original business that you went to work for? What were they doing? And then what are you doing now? Yeah, so uh, the company I worked for then was a essentially a, a timber brokerage company. Okay. They buy, buy and sell raw timber products, and and that's by and large exactly what I do now. Okay. okay. So so walk us through that real quick. Uh, somebody's cutting down the tree, and then uh, somebody's using it. Uh, I, I'm thinking about putting up a house. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in between, somewhere yeah. you are. So wa- walk us through that. You mind walking us through that process? Yeah, so we're. So we're, we go out and we actually purchase the, the timber standing on somebody's private land. Oh, okay. So it's not even cut yet. It's not. Okay. And then we have uh, in-house logging or contract logging uh, that cuts the trees down and hauls it to where we sell that raw product. So we use the logging as a means to move our product to the product that we have bought. We use that to sell it. So nobody gets paid till it gets to the scale. So we sell to IPGP, Warehouse, uh, or West Frazier. Just a lot of companies people would, would recognize. Okay, so you're you're cutting down the tree, moving it to where it needs to be, but you're not cutting it into boards or anything like that. You're early in that process, right? No, we don't make paper. We don't make lumber. We don't make plywood. We make timber trades. That's all we do. Okay, so you, you're buying the raw tree and getting it to the next part of the... Uh, uh, to, so the people you're selling to are the ones who form it into whatever... They sell factors. That's correct. Okay, got it. And now, now, how does a kid three years out of school, even with a good mentor, decide to make a big move and start his own company? How does how does that happen? Yeah, the guy that I work for um, told me I would regret it if I did. Really, he did. So he's probably looking at his best employee saying, you should do this on your own. What? I, I don't know. I don't know if I was his best. He's got a lot of great men that work for him. But yeah. Do, um, man, and, and wasn't the best. I wasn't. Um, but yeah. So he encouraged you to do. Why do you think he did that? I don't know. Yeah. I can't say. But he was like, you're doing this for me. I, I mean, assuming that he kept you around for three years instead of the 30 days. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Must have mean something went right. I, I don't think he was trying to get rid of you. Can we agree on that? I know you're trying to be humble about it, but I mean, he obviously, hey, well, that was just nice of him, right? I mean, he gave you the encouragement. Do you, did you have kind of a little bit of that? I mean, you had a pastor for a dad, but I mean, did, did you have a little bit of that entrepreneurial thing in you already, do you think? Or was that like a new thought for you? No, that, that was the end goal for me. I, I, okay. I, I, I want, I had, I had ownership on my mind in some okay. way, former fashion. Yes, sir. Okay, so you wanted to do it. All right, now how do you find your partner? I tried to. Uh, I was in the process of hiring him, bringing him onto the company that I was currently oh. working for. 
So the company that I was working for had always done business uh, west of I-65 in Alabama. And I uh, had gone to the man that I was working for at the time, and I asked him if I could try to start something on the east side of 65, which they had never uh, been in. And uh, so was continuing to do the business I was doing uh, originally on the west side of 65 and then was on the east side of 65 building up new clientele and, and just generating business and gotten to the point where uh, just needed some help. And he said, man, go, go find a guy. And so in the town where my wife is from, that was the original wow. only crawl was, was, was where she was from. Everybody, it didn't matter who you met, who you talked to. They loved this guy named John Deloney. Huh. So I said, well, if everybody loves this guy, this is who I need to try to hire. This is who I need to try to talk to. Hmm. And so, uh, he and I had gone up and, and, and met with the guy at the time that I was working for. And he told both of us, hey, you guys need to do this on your own. Uh, that's amazing. And now, was Deloney in the timber business already? He was. Yeah, he was working for a very reputable company. had been there at that company for about, I want to say, just shy of 15 years. So you're kind of asking around, hey, kind of need some help here. Who, do you, who should I talk to? And everybody says the same name. That, yep. that does make it kind of easy. And that move also sounded easy because, I mean, relatively, because your wife was from this town. and did you also, was part of the calculus that, uh, or the calculation that you would kind of get out of your mentor's territory too? Did you want to do that on purpose? Yeah, he had a lot of guys that had been with him for a long time, mm. a long time, mm. uh, very low turnover. And so just getting in an area where uh, there was some business that wasn't being done already by those guys that had been with him. You didn't want to step on their toes or steal their business. Yeah, or just really could. They're just right, right. Kid. Yeah. Okay. Well, he had such market share. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't a good business idea, let alone just being, you know, yeah. a good friend or whatever. Okay. So, all right. So now you approach Deloney. What does he say? Did he say, who are you? Or did he say, oh, I heard of you too? Yeah. I, I don't, I still to this day, I have no idea. <laughs> I was 26 or 27 yeah. years old. I mean, he was in his, I guess, late 30s, maybe early 40s. And I, I have no idea why he did it. I'm very thankful that he did it. Uh, so we we came back. We thought about it. We prayed about it. Uh, you know, just I agonized over it. Uh, had such loyalty, felt such loyalty to the to the guy that I was working for at the time, and we would let our wives meet and let our families meet and spend some time together and just make sure there was commonality in that. And uh, and then we just went for it. So he was already doing the brokerage too. So that wasn't a yep. shift. So you guys kind of, you had a little business going. How long, how long had you been doing it before you guys meshed? So uh, I started in West Alabama in 11. In Good. East Alabama, I had started in the, I want to say the beginning of 2014. So first quarter of 14 is where I had started in East Alabama. Okay. And, and how long were you doing it? Before you and Deloney got together, that's what I was trying to figure out. About a uh, total eleven to the fall of fourteen. So what is May of eleven? Okay, so three, years. three and a half years. Oh, you were doing it by your okay, but it was about three years. So, so three years, kind of with your mentor, and then another three years. No, 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 three years with my mentor, and then immediately with uh, Deloney. Oh, okay. So you hadn't even set up shop. You were just looking nope. for a partner right off the bat. That's right. Okay, so you guys keep start going, and and how's it go? I mean, any bumps along the way, or was it just kind of a straight shot? It was really a straight shot. The biggest yep. bump along the way was, partially, was the neglect of my wife and children. Yep. Uh, I s did not see some of my kids at the time awake 
from Monday or when they went to bed on Sunday night till Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. Now, the business revenue-wise, it went up every single year. But my marriage and my relationship from 2014 to about 2018 was going down every single year. Hmm. So, so you, you're young. How many kids uh, did you have at the time? Four at kids. At the time, I had uh, when we started, I had two and one on the way. Now I have four. Okay. So now this is not an uncommon story in terms of all right. I'm gonna make this work. Um. Uh, you know, putting your head down, ha- having that kind of thing. But, you know, the reason this is the Generous Business Owner Podcast and not just, you know, how I made it in business is that we do get into that stuff, you know? Like what? So uh, success, as we know, is not defined just by the, you know, material improvements in our life or net worth or whatever. It's also this, you know, your spiritual life, your, all these different capitals, your marriage, all, all these things. So how did you get out of that rut? I mean, the short answer is, is God's grace uh, and, and just revealing some things to me. Uh, I would say that uh, C-12 eventually played one of the largest parts in that. You know, anything that gets measured gets better. Mm-hmm. And when I began to measure my marriage, and I began to measure the relationship that I had with my children. Those were the things that I knew that I had to go to work on and intentionally work on those things. And so as I began to put rhythms into my life throughout the week, month, order, and year that were focused or aimed at my wife and my kids, go figure, my marriage, and my relationships with my kids got better. You know, it's it's interesting. I think we should probably explain uh, to the listeners that aren't part of C12, and that's how we met was through uh, Mike Shero and Chris Jackson uh, of C12. Uh, shout out to those guys. But I'm literally looking across the room at that same wheel that you use at C12 where marriage is on there. It is. Marriage and family. And every month you got to show up and rank it. Yes. And you're like... So every month I could see you coming in there going, oh boy, dink, dink, you know, and (laughs) I've been guilty of that one. I won't tell you which one is stinking for me right now, but if you saw my belly, you'd probably have a guess. Uh, But anyway, it's okay. So you're marking that thing and you're like, okay, how many months do I got to look at this thing before I start doing something about it? And I think that's, that accountability is helpful at C12. I know it is for me because people are like, okay, keep marking it. Well, what are you going to do? Did you have that kind of challenge or? Yeah, I absolutely had that challenge, you know, along C12, other coaching here in recent, yeah. you know, is, is, hey, what are we going to do about it? You yeah. Know? Hey, if, if, if this is the priority, right. you know, are, we, are we scheduling our priorities? You know, show me where on your calendar you've got your priorities, you know, and, and treat it like a, uh, you know, I heard the other day, treat it like a meeting. You don't, you don't, yeah. you don't let other uh, things interrupt any kind of meetings, eight to five, you know, that's scheduled. Everything goes around it. So just beginning to to do that in my life, honestly, just beginning to just pray for my wife. That that was so hard. I mean, our marriage was so transactional for years. She was so good and is so good at caring for our children and just uh, being the caretaker of our home. And I felt like I was doing good uh, and in, in, in being just the provider. Provider. 
but you know, spiritually, just praying together that that didn't go on, and so just praying for my wife. Sometimes, you know, or often on Monday mornings, asking what I can pray for her for that week. Um, I mean, just this things like that. I just, you know, I, once every, you know, once a week on Sundays, you know, I, I schedule one hour on Sundays with my kids. Mondays is called Monday messages. That's where we talk as a family. Uh, you know, about the sermon, uh, you know, Wednesday winners, that's where I slow down and we play board games as a family. Friday is Friday Thanksgiving and forgiveness where we stop as a family and talk about the things that we're fam- you know, thankful for and, and talk about the things in, 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 in which we've wronged one another throughout the week. And I have a hard time asking for forgiveness. And so just scheduling those things and committing to them and buying into them and putting them, you know, Saturday spotlight. That's where we we take a time and we just brag on one of the the family members of our of our household. And then just being intentional about at least once a month dating and once a quarter trips with my wife. It, it's it's not rocket science. It's just you know just like we sit down and we talk about succession planning. Just like we sit down and we talk about strategic planning. Just like we sit down and we talk about training. The the time and the mental space that we spend on those things, it's crazy not to do those things or use that same space or time, mental capacity about the things in our home. And and I didn't do that for years. And so it's just learning to do it. I'll tell you what, that is spectacular. And it when you say it, it sounds simple, okay, that you schedule these things. But actually, I think some of the stuff I was writing down, even the way you title them, it's fun, even for little kids or whatever. Like I, I come up with any of those titles. No, no, no. Hey, look, you're the son of a pastor. Everything has to be an alliteration, okay? Yeah. Monday messages, yeah. okay? Wednesday winters, yeah. Friday forgiveness. I mean, it's so simple. But hey, Friday, it's like, hey, that's what we do, you know? Here's the Let's, thing. I, I've never, there's never been a week I've been perfect. No, 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 of course. In all those things, as far as getting them all done. No, no. But I mean, we're, I'm actually aiming at something. Right. And so it's just, it's, it gets better. I love that. You say anything that gets measured gets better. That's fantastic. And then, you know, this calendaring thing, I always said, you know, there's an old line, right? You don't even have to meet somebody to know what they believe. Just if they could show you their calendar and their checkbook, you know exactly what they believe or what's important to them. And that's very convicting because I'm thinking what's on my calendar, a lot of business stuff. Not enough family stuff, probably. So I'm I'm probably not alone with that uh, that conviction. So, well, that's amazing. So it sounds like, you know, when you're a workaholic, sometimes you're kind of leaving living separate lives, and that's not healthy. Uh, so how long did it take you to kind of kind of reconnect? We're still working on it today. Yeah, I mean, our marriage is better than it's ever been. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm currently on a trip right now for yeah. our anniversary. We didn't do that for years. Right. We didn't do anything for our anniversary, you know, so we're still working on it. Well, uh, it's just such a such a great example. And, you know, we were talking before we started recording today, you know, generous business owner podcast. What does that mean? I mean, it can mean um, a lot of things. Uh, We've had one guy on. It was like all, you know, he he grew up with a blue collar uh, parents and it was like his parents kind of got mistreated as blue collar employees. And so he buys blue collar businesses and treats the employees like gold. That's his version of general. Other people make gazillions of dollars and give it away with a committee. Other, others give it away themselves. It could be the way you treat your customers, your vendors, uh, whatever. And I would even argue the way you treat your family. This, so this is actually, uh, I love this angle to it. Is there another angle here uh, uh, from 
the business standpoint, how do you think, okay, how do you think about the business as a platform for generosity beyond, you know, maybe what allows you a little bit of the freedom or, I mean, yeah, uh, that's probably an excuse if, if, if we feel like we don't have time for our kids, but or our wife and kids. But how do you think about the business as a platform also for generosity and maybe in another way? Yeah. So small business, we are. Yeah. And uh, 20, 25 employees just depend on the day. And uh, as I begin to surround myself with people who were, and this was about two years ago, who were uh, very intentional and thought of their business as a platform or something that could be leveraged for kingdom impact, I begin to believe a lie. And the lie that I believed was that because of the size of our business and because of the industry and, and, and there was not much wisdom in our industry to scale, I began to believe a lie that God was limited in our business. I believe that. And so I spent a lot of mental capacity, time, research saying, okay, God, I, I would like to do something for you, and, and, but I need, to, I need to be in an industry that I can scale. I, ne- I need to create something new. I need to come up with something. I need to have something other than what I have now because personally, I'm generous. My partner's very generous. But beyond that, you see the income statement, and, and we're living well in this company, but you see the excess. And so I've got to go, and I've got to do something different. I've got to come up with something new so that you can actually have space to work and take and use it how you want it. And that was an absolute lie. And God began to show me that. And so what we did, long, long, long story short, was uh, I, I was convicted that God wanted to use the little business that, that we have. And so my partner and I had been talking and, and we said, you know, we, we do real estate investment as well. And we said, you know, why don't we just give an investment away to God? Let's just do it. Let's just find one and let's just do it. And so time went on four, five, six months and God got me up in the middle of the night. And he said, hey, this is the one. And at the time, it was the largest capital investment we'd ever made. And I can remember I was nervous. And I said, I, I mean, I don't want to go to John. And, uh, but I went to John. I said, John, I said, I mean, I, I think this is the one. I, I just feel like this is the one. And John, just being John, said, man, let's do it. No questions asked. And so we gave that job uh, to God. And before we could finish the project and doing the things that we wanted to do it, there was a guy that lives a thousand miles west of where we're from that had three days to spend money, found us on our map and took every dollar he had in a 1031 and gave it to us. And I tell people he didn't have a choice in that. Right. And so for the first time, we're sitting there with an obscene amount of money to give away. Is this like a lot or a building? What What is this? So we this get is a-, a large uh, area of land. Raw land. Yeah, raw land. So that's what we do, real estate investment. We try to find land and we try to find a higher and better use for it. Got it. We- got it. Okay. And so this land was sitting outside of a growing city. This right. guy saw it a long-term commercial, industrial. I don't know nor really care what he saw. That. Right, right, right. But Not your thing. We're, we're sitting there in the intricate details of how that job uh-huh. and, and the things that it was undeniable right. that God did it. I mean, we're just, I mean, we're just floored. And so from there, you know, we're a totally different company. 
throughout the year for the consecutive years, we found projects to give away. We budget giving. We've, we've turned that into allowing our employees uh, to be a part of it. So one of the things that we do as a company is, is once a quarter, you know, we, uh, my family, my family, my intermediate family, we have adopted our fourth child is adopted from India through a, a company called Lifeline out of Birmingham, Lifeline Adoption Agency. And so we set a criteria uh, for Lifeline, things that we want uh, these families uh, to be about. Uh, we want their adoption to be mission-minded. Uh, we want um, them to have gone out and, and tried to raise all the money they can for their adoption. We wanted them to have started the process of adoption not knowing where the, the money came from. We, we wanted them to already have biological children. And, and this helped ensure, I think, people who don't have or can't have biological children, they need to adopt but as stewards of God's money. This helped us ensure that this adoption was mission-minded. Mm -hmm. And so Lifeline, a lot of other criteria, Lifeline presents those families to us once a quarter, and then we allow our employees to have a vote as to which family they want. <laughs> oh. So then we just fund uh, that adoption. I mean, we, we're, we're renting schools in, in the Middle East uh, for Muslim converts, women, to, that has a place to, to work and to hide out. We're renting a school for their children, a place to have schools. We've helped uh, the, the uh, Ukraine soldiers. We, we put the Bible, I don't even know what the Ukraine language is, but we put 10,000 Bibles in the Ukraine army. There's this colonel. He wants uh, this, uh, every Ukraine soldier, uh, Ukraine soldier to have this Bible. So we do 10,000 more. And there's hundreds of people in amidst this Ukraine war being saved. We're getting videos of them being baptized from people out of a little tin building in Troy, Alabama. I mean, we're getting to be a part of helping feed families in the Middle East who are refugees that are in hiding. I mean, I, I could talk for another 25, 30 minutes of all the things that we're, we're getting to do because God, we're, organizationally, we're the same. Staffing, we're the same. Uh, how we go about our week is the same. Our total revenue is the same, but our profit margins are through the roof in areas that we've turned over to God. And, and so this lie that God was limited in our business, that's not no longer who we are. I mean, we, we know that God wants to use our business and we're seeing him do it every single day. I mean, what, what a message. I, as soon as you started talking about this, about the, the lie you know, the image that came to my brain was when Moses is, you know, he's going, I don't have anything. What am I supposed to do, God? And God's like, what's in your hand? He's like, this old rod? What can this thing do? You know, and then bam, look, look. And uh, so I think that's just so powerful because I think sometimes even in this generosity space, right, where we're trying to just be good stewards of what God gives us, I know I'm tempted to look at people with more zeros and go, well, I mean, if I had those zeros, of course I'd be able to do X, Y, Z or whatever it is. And we can even get into the comparison game within the generous community or the Christian community. You know what I mean? Which I do. Uh, even on the giving, zeros compete. So it's, it's, uh, I keep up with the Joneses, even if that, and I don't think we say that out loud, but I think acknowledging. Uh, that that thought goes through our minds that, well, so what what can I do? It's not as meaningful. And so what, what are some of the lessons? Okay, that's the lie. What's the truth? 
The truth is, truth is, is that God won't use anybody's business, no matter how small it is. That is the absolute truth. And then the other truth is, is that it's not just about G- being generous. God cares in how we give our money away. That's one of the things we had to learn, have had to learn, is is how do we give? So, one thing I would encourage everybody to do is, if if you've got a company mission statement, what's your missiological belief? What do you think God wants you to give to? What is God's mission statement? So uh, I hear Barnhart say, hey, we want to work hard to make the money. We want to work hard to give away the money. And I think there's so much truth there. I think so, so many times, you know, guys, they're generous, but then they just give to things that are good. But we, we try to ask our question, ourselves the questions, not what's good. What's the best? What's the most efficient? Where is God working the most? What's the most effective? If God's done this and this is God's money, I don't want to just give it to the first person that comes up and asks me. I want to think through, okay, as a company, how are we going to go on mission locally? How are we going to go on mission in our nation? How are we going to go on mission internationally? And then what do we believe are the best ways to go about those things in those three spaces? You know, I see a lot of guys that that when they give, it's almost like they're checking a box. And I yeah. think generosity is important. And I know God wants us to be generous. But we have to remind ourselves that it's about the mission. We're actually on mission. We're not just giving. We're trying to accomplish something. God's got it all wrote out. God's plan is going to happen. He's going to save people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. That's going to go into place, okay? God's not going to be affected by our little tin building company and shroud them, but we want to be a part of it. And those are the things God's passionate about. And so if God's passionate about those things, and he's most certainly provided the funds for us to give away, I want to think about how God wants me to give it. Not what is good, but what is the best. And I want to ask God how he wants us to spend it. So, you know, those are things we've we've had to learn. And then, you know, another take something I would encourage people is when I say God's not limited in your business. God's not limited in your business because you're small, but God's also not limited in your business because of your partner. If your governance is under a board, God's not limited in that. I hear guys say all the time, and I really want to do something, but I've got this partner. You know, I really want to do something, but the board. You know, I really want to do something, but the executive team, you know, give those things to God. Just because you've woke up 13, 14, 15 years in the business, and maybe people in that aren't like-minded in the way that they're, God can deal with those human beings, and God can change their hearts, and he can change their mind, and the way that you live your life can persuade them to want to give to the things. I mean, people becoming to see Jesus as the greatest treasure in life. God can change them. He can change their hearts, their minds, and the way they want to give. So don't feel trapped where you're at. You you get around other people and you see what they're doing and you feel trapped. God's not limited, no matter what your circumstances are in your business. And if he doesn't change your circumstances, maybe he'll change where you should be. Yeah. Because he's not He's not going to keep you in a place of uh, unproductivity. We We put ourselves in that trap. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, oh, Malachi, you made this decision 14 years ago. I'm going to punish you for the next 20 years. <laughs> right. Wait, what God is that? Not ours. 
Well, and we live in a free country. Yeah. Praise God for that. So, you know, uh, sometimes we're, you know, we're, we're only entrapping in in, in ourselves, if you will, in, yeah. imprisoning ourselves. I love that, man. Cut yourself free from these uh, lies of I'm too small. I don't have the right partners. All of those. None of that's none of that. Not true. It's not true. I'll, I'll tell you one technical question, just because I get this question a lot. The how to give, how do you identify where to give and then how do you do it? So I know smaller company, 2025 employees, you know, we did a whole podcast on this with Barnhart where it's like six regions of the world and all these committees, but he's got a big company. Is it just you and John determining this or do you have people bring you suggestions? I know they're voting on like the, these things, but maybe just a little bit of the structure of how it works. I know people are really interested in that. Yeah. So outside of the adoption right now, the voting thing that you talked about, it's just John and I. So locally, we're obviously going to look at their mission, what they're about, and then we're going to look and just see just how Christ-centered they are. We're going to see what their ROI is, mm -hmm. what we're seeing come out of their ministry, and then we're going to bet on leadership. You know, internationally, we, we're going to look at indigenous work. Uh, American missionaries are expensive. Yeah, they are. And so we, we think the best way to go about it is to partner with indigenous people. Uh, and so we want to look and see where God's working in unreached people groups. That's kind of where we like to to put a lot of our resources right now. And so just for example, one of the partners that we have, he goes to a tribe. He says, hey, this is what we want to do. I'm going to give you three months and we're going to come back. He comes back in three months and they've already built the church. Well, do they want to hear the gospel? Yeah. So we're going to pour all kinds of resources. Right. There, right. So, you know, and so even a even in those things, though, we're going to be frugal. We're not. We're only going to do things that are sustainable. We're not going to do anything that's going to cause them to be a dependent. We're not going right. to increase the lifestyle of anybody that we're partnering with. Right. We, we look at all those things. Makes sense. And I think it's pretty cool because you keep saying we. So you and John sounds like do a lot of this together. Is that true? We, we do. I, I don't have the same problems other people do because of the partner that I got, the wife that I got, and the business partner that I got, yeah. and, and his wife. I could walk in tomorrow and say, John, I just gave our company away to X. And he would, and, and if it was for the gospel, he'd say, man, I'm so glad you did. I'm going <laughs> to get in the ditch and start digging and we're going to get out of this thing. That's just the kind of guy he is. Well, man, this is so good. We could go forever, but you know, the way we always try to wrap this up is, okay, somebody's behind you on this journey, man. I'm glad you shared kind of the struggle you had with the, uh, with your marriage and kind of being married to your job for a while. I think I can certainly identify with that. I know a lot of other people walking on the treadmill, listening to this or driving in the car are, are feeling the same way. But Malachi, you know, we always try to wrap up with just a practical tip and you've given us a lot of them. So however the Holy Spirit guides, what's just one thing, somebody behind you on this journey, maybe they're stuck a little someplace where you might've been stuck or they're behind one of these lies, whatever comes to mind, what is just some practical tip they could wake up tomorrow and start implementing to maybe break free of being stuck? God is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. God's ways will work. In your marriage, in raising your children, and in business. So find yourself spending time in the Scripture. And God will show you everything in it. There's so many resources out there and they're great. But the scripture is the greatest resource 
Yeah, we have. I know that sounds, that's like a Sunday school answer and it's so simple, but God's ways work and he is absolutely trustworthy. And the most joy in business and the most peace in business and the most fun in business, and I believe the most profitable in business is walking alongside God daily and believing that he owns your company and asking him what you want him to do with it. Well, I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up. I mean, that daily, I mean, I've been a believer pretty much all my life, but until I was about 30 years old, I wasn't in the scriptures every day. And all I know is my life's been a lot better uh, since I've been trying to do that daily than it was when I was not for sure doing it at all daily. Uh, and so uh, I, I, will, I will back that one up. And the other thing that comes to mind is one of our uh, podcasts early days was my friend Terry Looper, and he goes, I don't understand people that don't ask God to tell them what to do in all aspects of their life. He goes, we got the author <laughs> of the universe willing to tell you exactly what to do. All we have to do is shut up and listen. So, uh, yeah, I'm be with, I'm be with the Chris Jackson sometimes, and I'll say something. He'll say, well, he'll say, well if you ask God, and I'll be like, no, why would I have done that? You know, I don't know that, right? I know it's, uh, so it really is uh, some, th- that's just a great practical tip. So. Malachi, thanks so much for being with us today and sharing your story. And I know it's going to be an inspiration to many. Thanks again and Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's Generous Business Owner podcast. Share it with a friend. Check us out at uh, generousbusinessowner.com. And uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there, even if it's a little after Christmas when you're listening to this. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.